David a psalm. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of God? And who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of who seeks him. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, and the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. This is a story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. Well, today is uh, one of your stewardship Sundays, and sometimes this brings mixed feelings. So let's just acknowledge it, uh, especially when a guest pastor comes in to talk a little bit about stewardship. Um, some folks get really excited about this, I can see it, and some folks get, I feel a little trepidation. You know, money is a huge part of our consumer culture, and money thinking can easily dominate our lives. And yet, when we're in right relationship with our money, when we're conscious of of doing a spiritual practice of giving and receiving, our generosity helps us break through this money thinking, right? It frees us to imagine, to grow, to act. And when we do this, when we do this, we make God's care real for others. Please pray with me. Holy One, God of love, this morning take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. There are a lot of texts in the, in the Bible and the Gospels too which deal with stewardship. And today I want to lift up uh, John Wesley. Uh, anybody ever heard of John Wesley? Oh, okay, good. Wesley United Methodist Church, right? One place that the text spoke to Wesley was in the so-called parable of the dishonest manager. This is in Luke uh, chapter 16. Now, this parable has a lot to say about our faith in different contexts. But in a stewardship context, Wesley focused on a couple of different uh, verses. Uh, first, uh, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot 
be my manager any longer. Now the story goes on about uh, what the manager does and, and contains a twist in it that's very interesting uh, in, a, in a different context. But, but relevant to our task at hand, Wesley then moved to the end of this passage, verses 12 and 13, and said, says, and if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's the word of God living among us. So as, I, as I'm indicated, sometimes we greet this day with a little bit of trepidation, but I've actually become more and more excited over the years when I talk about stewardship. And it is because of the part, part because of uh, the way I live now. Uh, it's about life, each one of us and the life we live. It's out in the trees, right? It's in the mystery of chlorophyll, turning the leaves different colors now. It's in our bodies when we inhale oxygen and, and uh, exhale oxygen. And I, I love the beginning of the, the stewardship letter to the congregation this year, your ebb and flow. Giving and receiving is the ebb and flow of our Christian interdependence. Think about that. Interdependence. We don't talk about interdependence, but as Christians, that's the way that we live, and our giving and receiving is a part of this. On, on a Stewardship Sunday, we want to remind ourselves of this because this ebb and flow of giving and receiving is actually the lifeblood of our discipleship walk and our Christian interdependence. And something can get in the way. Something can keep this from flowing. In our world now and in Jesus' time too, money could get in the way. Now sometimes people say to me, Ted, Ted, I know I've got the stewardship thing. I'm good, right? Okay. I say, great. But there are often moments where we begin to squirm just a little bit. There's the old story of the $1 bill and the $20 bill, and they're lined up at the treasury, right? Lined up in line, going out of circulation. And so the $20 bill starts imagining, gosh, reflecting on the past and says, you know, I've just had this amazing life. I have been all over the world. I've eaten in some of the finest restaurants in the world, Michelin three stars in Paris. I have uh, been to the Super Bowl several times. I've been to the most fabulous casinos. I've been to Monte Carlo, I've been to Vegas, I don't know how many times. What a life, it's just amazing. And the $1 bills behind him going, hmm. And he said, well, what's the matter? You know, how's your life? Haven't you been anywhere? And the $1 bill says, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been around. You see, I, um, 
well, where have you been? Well, I've, I've been to the Presbyterian Church. I've been to the Methodist Church. I've been to the Roman Catholic Church, right? Yeah, we laugh, you know, we chuckle a little bit. And we know there's a little kernel in this story that makes us sometimes a little uncomfortable, right? Now, Jesus knew this because it was true in Jesus' time too. It's not just me talking, you know. How often, anybody know how often Jesus spoke about money in the Bible? In, in, our, in our gospel passages, any idea? No. The first time I heard this, heard somebody say to me, well, just if you were wondering, it was about 75 to 80% of the stories that Jesus told had to do with money or property or our attachment to material goods. I didn't believe it. No way. I went back and started <laughs> going through the stories. Now, now, there's a reason for this, right? Jesus knew that money, property, possessions, if not held in the right way, could get in the way of our giving and our receiving, of our loving God and loving neighbor. Jesus knew. John Wesley knew this too. As it happens, John Wesley, of course, the founder of Methodism, had something to say about this too. You see, in our Methodist tradition, our roots are with the simple folk, right? Those who had a hard time being accepted by the Church of England. In those days, the Church of England was a, was a highfalutin kind of place. And Wesley wanted to go out and make sure that the gospel was accessible to everyone. So he went out into the countryside and talked to the miners and the farmers, tradespeople, the poor, the working, all the marginalized people at that time. And he would preach to thousands at a time. Now, true confessions, since, since we're friends, all right, true, true confessions, there is so much lore about Wesley and his movement among these people in the early days then it was downright intimidating for a young Methodist pastor when I was getting going. It's true. In my early days as a pastor, there were periods of time where I actually began to keep Wesley's diary by my bedside. Now, this doesn't make me any better pastoring. But I kept it there because I wanted to read what it was like in his day and, and what he went through. What it ended up doing was help to make this giant of a man, right? More of, dare I say, an everyday person. Yes, there were the throngs in the square, of course. There was the uh, preaching to thousands out in the fields. There were also preaching to five people, right, behind this building. There was also the indigestion of Mrs. Bottomley's pork pie, right, on this trip, or the, that was the worst saddle I ever rode on, right? So all these stories began, including some crazy failures. All these stories made him more of a person that we could begin to understand. 
I learned he made mistakes, glories, had misunderstandings. But here's the thing. His honest, faithful wrestling with the intimacy of God's grace and the work of the Holy Spirit in daily living, it spoke to me and speaks to me now as nothing else has. How can we, you and I, live with nothing between us and our neighbor? Right? Kim was talking about love your neighbor as yourself. How can I live with nothing between uh, us and, and our God? Now, I'm mentioning it because this honest, faithful wrestling, this intimacy of God's grace, this work of the Holy Spirit in daily living, and the necessary ebb and flow of our own receiving and giving God's love, the lifeblood of Christian interdependence, right? This undergirds Wesley's thoughts and fears about stewardship. So Wesley was terrified that all these poor people that he was sharing the gospel with, that as their circumstances improved, as they got wealthier, as, as they would, that money would come between them and their neighbors or between them and their God, particularly between the rich and the poor. And Wesley would say, I fear wherever riches increase, the essence of religion, the mind of Christ, is going to decrease in the same proportion. That's the way, that's the way he felt. Friends, wealth is a thing. Money is the thing that can separate us from one another, that can keep us from being so concerned about another's well-being in connection and care and love, that it can interrupt the flow of our Christian interdependence. So what, what was Wesley's solution to this? He said, Money's a tool. We need this God-given resource, money. And you and I know this. We need to manage it and we need to steward it faithfully because it's not ours. Because it belongs to God. And we need to put it to use and we need to give it away. Wesley's approach to giving, those early Methodists, Wesley said, okay, here's how to do it. I want you to think about supplying your own wants and needs and your family's wants and needs, reasonable wants and needs. And then I want you to restore the remainder to God through the poor whom God has appointed to receive the money. So what does this mean for Wesley? I had, I think one year, maybe the first year he was out, he, he made 30 pounds. 30 pounds sterling. His reasonable wants and needs, he calculated about 28 pounds. And so he gave away two pounds. I know what you're thinking. Now, Ted, that's not 10%. That's not the biblical tithe, right? Two is not 10% of 30. The next year, he made 45 pounds. His reasonable wants and needs and his family's reasonable wants and needs, 28 pounds. The next year he gave away 17 pounds, all right? So you see how this works. Later in his career he made one year 90 pounds. 
his reasonable wants and needs. At that time, his family was maybe 35 pounds. So he gave away 55 pounds. You see my point here. This is the way Wesley thought about our stewardship. Now, Wesley, practical as he was, summarized it all in three rules. So I'm going to share these. And this is, this is, I'm going to read a quote from him because this is the seriousness with which he thought about our task at hand, right? This is Wesley. What way then can we take our money and it may not sink us to the nethermost hell? There's one way, one way and only. That if those who gain all they can and save all they can will give all they can, then the more they gain, the more they'll grow in grace and the more treasure they will lay up in heaven. In other words, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Money's a gift from God, simply a tool. It's the love of money that's the problem. Cause a static between us comes between we can forget whose we are. So we remember this when we keep our giving and our stewardship as a spiritual practice year-round. Let's have a quick look at these three rules, right? Gain all you can. Gain all you can. This is what we do, right? We live in the United States of America in a capitalist. We gain all we can, right? This is the way it goes. Now, Wesley didn't have a problem with this. He said it's not about the pursuit of wealth as much as the restrictions on the pursuit of wealth. Money's not to be made in a way that hurts other people. No high interest rates, no bodily harm. We don't want to make our money that way. And at your foundation, as someone who also is involved in the investing of endowments for churches, five, uh, 350 churches across New England in the annual conference, I can tell you that our method of investing, our socially responsible method of investing, does not include alcohol, tobacco, firearms, missiles, fossil fuels, and so forth. We have really an amazing investment committee and wonderful products that invest in a socially responsible way. And I'm, again, I thank you for your, your partnership here. But Wesley wouldn't turn a blind eye to trade-offs about how we gain our money. The second thing, save all you can. Sometimes we think about the virtue of saving and putting it in an account. And Wesley didn't mean this. Yeah, you need to save it and put it in an account for sure. In a rainy day, retirement, so forth. But what Wesley meant was don't spend needlessly. Don't waste. Be content with simple living. Don't spend to keep up with the Joneses. Don't spend to buy applause. Don't throw away money on your vanity. That's what Wesley talked about when he said, save all you can. And we need to acknowledge there's a little bit of a tension here. Wesley said, get out of yourself. Right? Our culture says, I'm worth it. Look out for number one. Right? I deserve it. You owe it to yourself. Wesley said, 
live simply so others may live. Number three, give all you can. So two quick points here. There is a real joy to be discovered in giving. I don't know if, you've, if you feel that, uh, but uh, there is a real joy. And I'm wondering, I don't know how you, I'm going to learn how you handle your offering here, but I, I'm in a lot of churches where we say, it's congregation, it's time for the offering. And everybody goes, <laughs> right? And if you're not used to doing that, it's like, uh, okay, right? But the first time I experienced this myself, I thought, really? This is what we do? But I do it all the time now, and I really like it, and I love it. I'll invite us to do that uh, today. And, and you can think, can I bring myself to actually clap at the opportunity to give my offering? We'll try it. The second thing I want to say about giving all you can is that, like Wesley said, we're to give all we can. We, you and I always say, give all, give all you can. Wesley said, give all you can. Right? Hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you, John Wesley. Right? Right? Without the focus on giving all you can, and generosity, the earning and saving parts, earn all you can, save all you can, it doesn't have any meaning, right? So finally, here, here's what at stake through this approach to giving. God's care for all people becomes real when we give this way. Generosity helps us break through the static money thinking of our culture, frees us to imagine and grow together. When we follow these rules, our money doesn't come between us. We're in relationship and solidarity with the poor and with each other. Think about that. We are interdependent with the poor. We give to the poor. We must receive from the poor. How will I share the resources that God has entrusted to me? How will I receive the gifts of the poor. As you go through the stewardship season and think about your spiritual practice of giving, I invite you to beware of the saints. Be aware of the saints who gave Christ to you and remember them and hold them up and use them as modeled. Remember John Wesley saying, there is a way to give faithfully and understand your giving. Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And I also want to suggest you remember the words of the old hymn, right? Nothing between, nothing between my soul and my Savior, nothing between my soul and my neighbor, nothing between my giving and receiving, nothing in the way, no thing in the way, nothing between. Amen.